Supreme Director of the Brahminical Culture. Param, the highest, Dayanam, position, Brahmanaha, the Brahmanas, Kila, for the teaching of others, Te, your, Prabhu, O Lord, Vibranam, of the Brahmanas, Deva Devanam, to be worshipped by the demigods. Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Atma, the Self. Dayavatam, worshipable deity. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace. O Lord, you are the Supreme Director of the Brahminical culture. Your considering the Brahmanas to be the highest position is your example for teaching others. Actually, you are the supreme worshipable deity, not only for the gods, but for the brahmanas also. Please repeat. O Lord, o Lord you are the supreme director, you are the supreme director of, the brahminical culture. of the brahminical culture. You're considering the brahmanas to be in the highest position. Is your example for teaching others. Actually, you are the supreme worshipable deity. Not only for the gods, but for the brahmanas also. <coughs> In the Brahma Samhita, it is clearly stated that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the cause of all causes. There are undoubtedly many demigods, the chief of whom are Brahma and Shiva. Lord Vishnu is the Lord of Brahma and Shiva, not to speak of the brahmanas in the material world. As mentioned in Bhagavad Gita, the Supreme Lord is very favorable towards all activities performed according to Brahminical culture, or the qualities of control of the senses and mind, cleanliness, forbearance, faith in scripture, and practical and theoretical knowledge. The Lord is a super soul of everyone. In Bhagavad Gita, it is said that the Lord is the source of all emanations. Thus, he is also the source of Brahma and Shiva. Thank you, Lord. Om Ajnana Mirandasya Gyananjana Sadakaya Chakshu Unaditamina Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Vajra Kapa Trubhyasa Kripa Sindhu Vyavacha Patita Nam Havani Vyo Vaishnave Vyo Namo Namaha Namaste Jivanandaya Dasaya Vajayane Prabhupada Lavaya Sridha Srila Vinodhavi Ajnana Dvantagramanam Prashyate Patitanam Jnana Gurutaya Chitaharine Chakshashe Namaha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Tinamane Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravadi Pacharine Nirishesha Shunyavadi Pashtajari Sitarine Jaya Sri Krishna Jaitanya Prabhurita Anda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Srivasadi Gauravatarinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Okay, so here's the verse one more time. O oh Lord, you are the supreme director of the Brahminical culture. You're considering the Brahmanas to be the highest position as your example for teaching others. Actually, you are, in the, you are the supreme worshipable deity, not only for the gods, but for the Brahmanas also. So welcome everybody. I pray for the blessings of senior devotees. 
and all the devotees here. Um, thank you for your kindness and allowing me to try to speak. <clears throat> so Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita in the opulence of the absolute, the like 10th chapter, he says that he's the source of the demigods and the great sages. So he's describing his various opulences. And then he begins to describe some of the qualities of the living entities, um, some positive and negative within the material energy. He says that I'm the source of these qualities. And then he says, in 10a, he says, actually, I'm the source of all spiritual material worlds. Everything emanates from me. And the wise who perfectly know this, engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts. And so in this particular section of Srimad Bhagavatam, um, it's a very wonderful, interesting pastime that we're, we're studying. And the uh, four Kumaras, they have been eagerly wanting to approach the Lord, Narayan, in Vaikuntha, and then Dain Vidrai, the gatekeepers of Vaikuntha, saying, who are these little naked boys? Um, I don't know what they want here. So they didn't allow them to come in. So because when um, saintly persons are eager to do something good, especially to see the Lord, they became very upset and they cursed Dain Vidrai. So then the Lord came to rectify the situation, and he spoke these beautiful, beautiful words to uh, the assembled devotees about especially how dear the brahmanas are to him. And so now the four kumaras, they're feeling confused because they're thinking, wait a second, we understand that you're speaking to us and you're thanking us in this way because the brahmanas are dear to you, more brahmanas, but Jain Vijay are your dear servants in Vaikuntha, and we've cursed them. So they're starting to have doubts in their mind about if they did the right thing or not. Even though the Lord is saying, you know, you know I, actually, I take offense. I, I, take, <clears throat> I actually take responsibility for my servants because my servants are, are part of me. So I take responsibility for them <clears throat> completely. So now they're, they're bewildered and they don't know where, where the Lord, actually the true intention of the Lord's mind. So now the Kumaras are, are starting to um, speak to the Lord and they're, they're acknowledging that the Brahmanas, so it actually started in the last verse or two verses ago. So the sages said, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, we are unable to know what you intend for us to do. For even though you are the supreme ruler of all, you speak in our favor as if we had done something good for you. We curse your servants. How are you speaking like we did something good for you? Oh Lord, you are the supreme director of the Brahminical culture. You're considering the Brahmanas to be in the highest position as your example for teaching others. You are the supreme worshipable deity, not only for the gods, but for the Brahmanas also. And so and then this question of, of leadership comes because the, Lord, uh, the, the Kumaras are, are realizing that the Lord is teaching through the Brahmanas. And he's setting an example of the way to go through the Brahmanas. And so if we think about um, leadership, leadership means that we are following somebody to, to have a better life, to attain something better. 
So we're, we're following one person or another. And as jivas, as minute part and particles of Krishna, it's really natural in our constitution to follow others. You actually see throughout the different species of life, living entities exhibiting this nature of following. Like we see all these little ant trails around the temple, and all the ants are following in a line, going from here to there, trying to take sugar and little bits of food. So that's our, it's our nature to follow. And then Krishna is saying in, in the Bhagavad Gita, what a great person does, a common man follows. And so the, the tragedy of Kali Yuga is that all the leaders within society, they don't know, as it says in the 16th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, they don't know what's to be done and what's not to be done. And so they're leading people on the wrong, in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. They may have many followers. So this is one, one um, <clears throat> quality that does not um, exemplify a true leader. Just because somebody has many followers does not mean somebody's uh, a legitimate leader. And just because somebody has talent or they're a great orator or they're powerful or they have the backing of big corporations, just because they may have much opulence materially, these, none of these are qualities to be a leader. But actually, um, Prabhupada is explaining, is beginning to explain some of these qualities, such as control of the senses and mind, cleanliness, forbearance, faith in scripture, and practical and theoretical knowledge. And um, as Krishna, Krishna begins to describe, Bhagavad Gita class, we were, we were speaking about um, the items of knowledge in the 13th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. And so many of these qualities are so wonderful. Um, and one of those qualities, the essential quality, that Sri the Prabhupada um, elaborates on, is unalloyed devotion to me. So he says, humility, pridelessness, nonviolence, tolerance, simplicity, approaching a bona fide spiritual master, cleanliness, steadiness, self-control, renunciation of the objects of sense gratification, absence of false ego, the perception of the evil of birth, death, old age, and disease, detachment, freedom from entanglement with children, wife, home, and the rest, even-mindedness amid pleasant and unpleasant events, constant and unalloyed devotion to me, aspiring to live in a solitary place, detachment from the general mass of people, accepting the importance of self-realization and philosophical search for the absolute truth. All these I declare to be knowledge, and besides this, whatever there may be is ignorance. And so we have even elevated personalities who haven't understood the essence of Krishna consciousness. There's unalloyed devotion to Krishna. And we have the example of Ramaharshan Sutta. You all remember Ramaharshan Sutta. He's a great sage. He's sitting on the Vyasasana. He's a disciple of Srila Vyasadeva, who's the topmost Vedic authority in the universe, the literary incarnation of Krishna. So he's sitting on the Vyasasana. But when Lord Balaram, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, comes in, he doesn't recognize. So 
all those qualities, all those medical qualities, all that learning, that position. Remember, the, the sages elected the Maharshan Sutta to sit on the Vyasa side. And the Supreme Personality of Godhead says, this is all useless, actually, because by all the Vedas, I'm to be known. Sarvasya Jaham Vedisani Vistam, Atasmitri Gana Bhavodam Jai, Vedaish Chasaravaram Evadavya Vidam, and I, I'm the source of knowledge, I'm the compiler of, of the Vedanta, and by all knowledge, I'm to be known. That's the whole purpose of knowledge. That's the purpose of these qualities. So when Krishna is describing in the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, these qualities that endear us to Krishna. And in the scope of that beautiful exchange with the Supreme Personality Godhead, these qualities are wonderful and necessary. But without that, then the goal hasn't been reached. The, the goal of yoga hasn't been reached. That, that connection hasn't been reached. And it's kind of like, I was thinking of this example, especially in many cultures, our culture as well, oftentimes the, the goal of life is to, to find your soulmate, to find that person that you can have a family with, you can live the rest of your life with, to find that perfect person. And so the mother is, is preparing their child to, to develop good qualities, to develop discipline and cleanliness and truthfulness, and to be a hard worker, and then ultimately to get a good education. And why is that so that they can be a good citizen of society and they can they can be a good spouse. They can be a good father or mother. And so they're helping that children to reach that position of finding their soulmate and having that love exchange in this world that everybody wants. So imagine if they raise a child in that way and they exhibit those qualities, but they never find that relationship. They never find that connection. So say, say they went out into, into the desert, into the middle of nowhere, and they exhibited these qualities. But there's no one to appreciate those qualities. That, that beloved isn't there with them. And so these qualities can prepare us to link with Krishna, to associate with Krishna, but if we don't make that, if we don't make that connection, if that love affair with Krishna isn't, isn't, hasn't begun or isn't developing, then those qualities ultimately, they're not useful. And that's what in Yukta Vairagya means, that whatever is useful to serve Krishna. And so, yeah, so in the, in the Mahabharata, it says that, if we haven't developed um, humility and righteousness, then all of our religious practicals, practices have gone in vain. Because ultimately, to be um, a lover of Krishna, we have to develop these qualities. And these qualities are so important. Krishna's saying, these are the persons that become endeared to me. So it's kind of like, it's, it's cultivating the, the, the soil to, to plant, to have the seed of bhakti planted in, in our hearts. Um, as we are, are developing these qualities, then it's easier for the bhakti to grow. 
So it's a, it's, a, it's a good environment for bhakti to grow. But that's not in and of itself the qualification for bhakti. The qualification, ultimately, like the first item of knowledge, is humility. Where if there's humility, then one can be receptive to the mercy of Krishna through the devotees. And so we actually have examples, we have exemplars of persons that have given the mercy of Krishna freely and those who have accepted the mercy. And that's really the, the really real qualification to accept the mercy and to give the mercy to others. And so because, because devotees, they are the true leaders of society. Like I said in this verse, they are the true leaders because they can take the living entity, the soul that's struggling here in this world, they can take that person to the highest destination. To lead means that they, they lead them to the right place. So the devotees in Krishna can take the soul suffering in this world to the best place possible. Therefore, devotees in Krishna are the only, the only qualified leaders, true leaders in society. Some leaders, some spiritualists, they take people to a certain degree in the right direction. But ultimately, the real leaders are those who can, like Prabhupada gave the definition of nonviolence. What does nonviolence mean? It means you stop the suffering, right? Because suffering is not coming just by chance. Devotees and, and advanced spiritualists, they understand that suffering is coming due to reactions, due to associating with this material energy. So suffering is not just randomly happening. So nonviolence means stopping, completely stopping this suffering. So compassion, Compassion and leadership means leading people on the right path to overcome the suffering of this world, overcome the bondage in this world. And so, according to um, the Vaishnava calendar, today is um, the disappearance of Vrindavan Das Tagore. Um, on the BB T calendar, it was yesterday, but according to a specific time zone, it's today, disappearance of Vrindavan Das Tagore. And so Vrindavan Das Thakur, we can understand, when we, when we think of his life, we can understand his life of being one, of being saturated in mercy. Completely saturated in mercy and giving mercy to others. Because his mother, his mother was saturated in mercy. His mother was Narayani. And Narayani was the niece of Srivast Pandit. Um, Srivast Pandit had an elder brother, had three brothers, one of his elder brothers had a child, this girl named Narayani. So Lord Chaitanya, at one point when he was exhibiting his extreme compassion, he was actually saying that I can liberate everyone in the world, bring all the animals to me, bring everyone to me, and I'll liberate them. So in this ecstatic mood of compassion, he said, bring Narayani to me. Narayani was this four-year-old little girl. And so, they brought her to him, and the Lord um, endowed her with ecstatic love for Krishna and, 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 and induced her to chant the holy names as a little girl. And she exhibited full symptoms of ecstasy and love of God. And this little girl, because these are very intimate pastimes that the Lord was performing with uh, the devotees in the house of Srivastakura. So this little girl was there 
If she was saturated in this environment of, of love God, and the Lord who would feed her remnants directly from his plate. Even described, he would give remnants directly from his mouth to the little Ryan's. So she was completely saturated in mercy from birth, basically. And this girl, when she became older, she was married, and she became pregnant with Vrindavan Das Thakur. And, and the father passed away while she was pregnant. Then she lived in the house of Vasudev Dad. Vasudev Dad, as you know in Chaitanya Lila, he's the most merciful, uh, he was actually the incarnation of Prahlad Maharaj. Most compassion. He was saying, I'm willing to accept the sins of everybody so they can be liberated and I'm going to help for eternity just so they can be freed from this, uh, this illusory energy, from the suffering that goes on in this world. So she is serving in, 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 in the home protected by Vasudeva. And Vrindavan Das Thakur, growing up in this environment, he's just immersed in the pastimes of the Lord. He's hearing the glories of Lord Jaitanya from his whole life. And he's just waiting. He's so eager to get to the point where he's old enough to go and meet the Lord. And he's devastated when the Lord leaves this world before he can meet him. But he, he took an initiation from the Kanadasaru. He's a direct disciple of Nityananda Prabhu. And he's actually said to be Srila Vyasadeva for Lord Jaitanya's Leela. He's an incarnation of Srila Vyasadeva. And so he was, he was commissioned by, by his guru, Lord Nityananda, to write the Chaitanya Bhagavad. And uh, Srila Krishnadas Kaviraj um, Goswami, author of Chaitanya Charitamrita, he, he glorifies Vrindavan Pastor. Says he is the main author of Lord Jaitanya's pastimes. And, and, and anybody who, who reads these nectarian descriptions by Gandharadas Daikumar will understand love for Krishna very easily and will attain this um, Krishna bhakti. And so we can see that, that he was immersed in the nectar, in the, the mercy coming from the devotees in the form of their words, in the form of their remnants. And we have so many examples, like Kalidas. Kalidas received full mercy of Lord by accepting remnants out of the trash from the devotees who left their remnants. From put, putting his head on the dust where the devotees had walked. From begging from the devotees their remnants. And so then, therefore, he received the mercy of the Lord, the full mercy. And so there's this, there's this, basically, these are the two activities that the Lord is exchanging, receiving mercy and giving mercy. And so then we, we see the merciful nature of the devotees, who are, who are pouring the more mercy, that mercy for all the souls in this world. Um, just like Haridas Thakur, he, he liberated the prostitute that came to do so. Uh, he, gave, he gave her full mercy of the Lord. Um, Shivananda saying, remember he, he gave mercy to a dog. Remember this pastime? And this dog was following him. He was feeding the dog. And the dog was missing. He had some business to do, so the dog was missing. And he was inquiring, where is this, where is this dog? And he finds Lord Chaitanya feeding the dog pulled from coconut. And this dog is described, this dog went back to Godhead. 
So you can see the process. You can see that even, even somebody who's not qualified. So again, this, this is the main qualification, is to accept the mercy of the devotees. Because it's said in this Kali Yuga that actually we have no good qualifications. There are no good qualifications in this Kali Yuga. This is an ocean of faults. And so what is the qualification? Somehow or other we can accept the mercy of the devotees of Krishna. Somehow or other. That, that, that is our benediction. That's our life and soul. That's everything to us. Um, that, that, that means being a devotee. If we can um, serve the devotees, and, and actually that's the, that's the Vaishnava culture, which is a little bit tricky because we want to pay our obeisances to all the devotees, but we don't want the devotees to pay obeisances back to us. So it can be a difficult um, conundrum we find ourselves in. Because I'm often, often thinking, you know, if I pay obeisances to Shreshtra Prabhu, he's going to pay his obeisances to me. I don't want him to do that. Because he's going to be only body. And so. But that, that is the culture, and it's really sweet when, when that culture is present, where devotees will see each other pay obeisances. Um, I'd like to, to do that more. And of course, we have the restaurant here, too, and, and, and so there's different aspects of different environments, but at least in our mind and our heart, pay obeisances, pay pronouns, and accepting the mercy and the remnants of devotees most importantly means to follow their instructions and to serve them. That's the best way. That's, that's the way that expresses most of our love, if we follow their, their instructions and we, we try to do something to, to please them, to assist them of their mission of spreading Krishna consciousness. So there's one, one particular um, test, because, because as we know, Krishna consciousness is one of developing deep emotions in a connection to, to God, really deep feelings. But as we're, as we're progressing the path of bhakti, there's still mundane emotions, because there's always emotions, right? There's emotions before Krishna consciousness and after. So we can maybe be confused. Is this a, an ecstatic devotional emotion? Or is this a mundane emotion? So we can really gauge um, whether or not it's devotional. Um, the main way we can gauge that, does it link us more to the devotees? Are we maintaining the association with the devotees? Does it push us away from the devotees? Um, does it make us feel superior to the devotees? Does it create tension amongst the devotees? Does it make our heart feel hard? Do we feel separation in our heart and negative capacity? Those are things, then it's, then it's definitely a mundane emotion. If, on the other hand, even if we're doing something from an external point of view, may not even seem um, appropriate. Like sometimes, um, Prabhupada, he would reach normal rules of etiquette for the sake of, of giving mercy to the conditioned souls. And, and he would extend himself, and he was criticized by his godmothers in different ways. And he was extending the mercy. 
But what it ultimately did was it ultimately endeared him to the whole devotional community around the world. Actually, throughout the universe, as you think. He's worshipped throughout the three worlds. So it actually endeared him to the devotees of Krishna and, and, and endeared him to, the, to Krishna even further. So this is the true test of, of our emotional development. Because generally, these, these qualities in the mode of goodness help to maintain relationships, like tolerance, patience, compassion, generosity. These, as they say in Christianity, the fruits of the spirit. They help, they help, these help to maintain relationships generally. But in Vrindavan, um, what maintains relationships can be seen to be outrageous. <laughs> Generally, we're, we're following uh, we're following in the footsteps of of the great souls. We're not imitating of the great souls, and and we are we are trying to um, create a, a mode of goodness environment that is beneficial for us to reach the level of nishta. Like Radha Swami uh, says, says, once you cross over the mountain of Anartas, you get to the ocean of Anartas. So that's what. Frame So once we get to the platform of Nishta, we're really, really steady. And steadiness means that we're maintaining the association of devotees, advanced devotees, and we're serving them continually. That's one symptom of advancement. We're continually maintaining association of great souls and serving them, and our sadhana is strong. So when we reach the platform of Nishta in many years, um, we, we continue, become really strong, um, and we're hearing about Krishna, his pastimes, Vrindavan, because we're followers of, we're supposed to be followers of the Kalagams of the Raj. We sing that every morning, Tulsi, please make me follow the Kalagams of the Raj. Um, so that's that's our mood, is we want, we want to, we're following the leaders, we're following Lord Jaitanya and his associates to, to Vrindavan. That's, that's ultimately our mood. That's what we want. That's what we're most enchanted to Lord Krishna's pastimes. So as we continue to hear, we, we, gain, we are studying devotional service and we hear more and more. This is the most beneficial for us and for the whole world. Actually, if you remember King Pantaparudra, he received the mercy of the Lord. How did he receive the mercy? He swept as a menial servant. He's a great position, the king of Orissa. He swept in front of the, the Jagannath Rathyapatrikaya. That's the first thing he did. Actually, the first thing he did was he had a deep connection with Ramananda Rai. So he received the mercy of Ramananda Rai and the Vaishnavas. He served the Vaishnavas. The Vaishnavas came, he would, he, would, he would accommodate them completely. His consciousness was fully immersed in serving the devotees and ultimately attaining the mercy of Lord Jaitanya, attaining the association of Lord Jaitanya. So then he gave off his kingly garb. And he went to meet the Lord in the garden. And why did he do that? Because he was following the instructions of the devotee. Ramananda Roy told him, this is what you can do. And so when he's, when the Lord is in, in a very exhausted mood of ecstasy, but after the Radhyatra, he's massaging the Lord's feet, and he's chanting these beautiful verses, sung by the gopis, the Krishna, in separation. And um, I wrote this down to share you the, the exact uh, translation. So this particular verse made the Lord go into ecstatic trance. 
you receive the full mercy when you, when you read this particular verse. The nectar of your words and the descriptions of your activities are the life and soul of those suffering in this material world. These narrations transmitted by learned sages eradicate one's sinful reactions and bestow good fortune upon whoever hears them. These narrations are broadcast all over the world and are filled with spiritual power. Certainly those who spread the message of Godhead are most munificent. So when the Lord heard this, he just went. He was just, it was, he was beyond ecstatic, so he embraced the king. And he said, you are the most munificent. You are the most munificent in the whole world because you are, because you're giving me the nectar of these words. And, and so that, that means true leadership. True leadership, like, like I was thinking of Mongol Thakur. Mongol Thakur, he was blind. You remember, he was in, in Vrindavan doing his bhajan, he was blind. Or the Brahmana, the famous Brahmana who couldn't read properly the Bhagavad Gita. So from a material point of view, how can a blind person be a qualified leader? You remember um, King Dhritarashtra, he couldn't be the king because he was born blind. And so that's why Pandu was the king and the whole episode happened with ultimately the battle of Kurukshetra. So that's the qualification for, for like a manager. And you need that facility to be a manager. And also you can be a devotee in that scope. But the brahmanas, the brahmanas are, are exclusively focused on giving the message of Krishna, giving the true path, giving the true direction by which we can be free from this world of suffering. And so even though Gautama Thakur was blind, he was the leader, he should be the leader of, of the whole world. He should be the leader of everyone in existence, because he's giving the nectar of these words that are liberating the conditioned souls. And that's why the Lord, he carried around this Krishna Karnamrita, these words from Gautama Thakur, this blind person. He took this blind person to be the leader of, of society, of his life, because he spoke the nectar of these words about Krishna. And so this can be our meditation to immerse ourselves in the mercy coming through the Lord's devotees, who are the leaders of society, and to follow their leadership, as we naturally we follow, to follow the leadership of the great souls, and to then take that mercy and give it to everyone, qualified or unqualified, just give it to everyone we meet. We can chant for the animals, the dogs, the snakes, whatever. Like these devotees in Lord Jaitanya's pastimes, I was hearing the description, one devotee stuck his hand into the mouth of a snake and pulled a thorn out from the snake's mouth. Uh, uh, we were reading, uh, not to Prabhu and I were reading, Narahari Sarkar Thakur, because um, Suresh Prabhu was talking about his Vajnamita. So we read a little description of him, and he used to slap these tigers, and to chant the holy names, and he hit the side of these tigers and induced them to chant. <laughs> so these, these devotees were just giving them mercy. They were following in the footsteps of the Lord and just freely distributing in the Lord's mood. Like the world when the Lord was in Jari Khan Forest, and the, all the living entities were following him, including the little beetles on the ground. Describe the little beetles were following him too. We had this whole parade of living entities. 
animals. I mean, it said like even the animal from life, you can't even approach God at all. <laughs> you know, he has the whole forest becoming devotees. So this is how we ultimately develop these qualities is through um, the mercy of the Lord next to devotees. So in here, yes. In the dark on the leader, the, uh, the deer and the tiger were embracing and kissing. And what they found was chanting. They lost all their natural energy and their animal natures, and they were dancing and they were embracing and kissing. Imagine the deer kissing the tiger. Mm -hmm. Will and that is just unprecedented in any literature or any description anywhere. That type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, thank you for your excellent class. Now, I was a little puzzled or a little discouraged by Ranaswami's uh, statement that once we cross over the ocean, of <laughs> not, or the mountain, that we find the ocean. That just means it's a longer road than we anticipated. Well, you know, and also, like he stresses the Trinata Gita Maintainer, already being so humble and tolerant. So, you know, great devotee, he's probably thinking about himself. You know, he's probably thinking, like, I'm so fallen that I can never overcome this mountain. But, um, you know, ultimately, the devotee never thinks they're good enough. They always want to do better. But we can also see, you know, we can look at our life and see how. Our Prabhupada completely transformed our heart and our consciousness. And we can just maintain the association of devotees. Like Prabhupada said, you can just grab onto my coattails. And um, I think we can be encouraged. But um, I hear it's a difficult process, and I know I have a long way to go. So. But I, my understanding is that once we reach that fixed state or steady state of Nishta, more or less the battle is over not constantly struggling against desires that can sabotage our, our practice. That's my understanding. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to say anything, Rachel? Um, no, I'm just looking. Actually, I say we have this idea of the lamb will lie down with the lion, the lion will lie down with the lamb. So uh, it's, it, is, it is precedent. I mean, that's the kingdom of God. But Lord Chaitanya being demonstrated so amazingly. That's unprecedented. But the concept of doing the black is that. Yes. This is probably a mundane thing, but you know, the, the Leela of the Jaras on the forest, I'm just wondering what they ate, the animals. You know, because they all love you, but one is food together. <laughs> 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 the Lord, the Lord, all things are possible. <laughs> some some people actually, you know, turn their pets into vegetarian. Yeah. And their dogs and cats. <laughs> I know the lady at the door who had her cats become vegetarian. Oh no, I know. I've known a lot of There was a kind of city around France. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now back to Jan Jan question. Uh, I think the Rajasthan said that, I mean, I don't know. But one way I would, if I said it, it would be re to remind ourselves that uh, don't presume that the battle is there. Yeah. But it takes a long time. Things, <laughs> things can come up. 
He said it takes a long time to become the dog of the spiritual master. Prabhupada said it takes a long time to become the dog of the spiritual master. He was talking about his relationship with his guru. Mm -hmm. He was feeling like I'm the dog of my spiritual master. Yeah. Nice. She's singing in here, he hears his voice and starts scratching on the window. <laughs> especially, you know, especially dog. Yeah, there it is, dog is. <laughs> okay. Yes? There's one more relating point again to the Brahma on the class I was looking to yesterday. The point that struck me uh, is that one thinks oneself in advance, they won't be able to authentically and sincerely take the that humility opens us up to receive mercy. If, we, if, we, if that's why it's the first item of knowledge, because if we can't be humble, then we think that we have something, or we can't receive something. Thank you. It means to, Prabhupada gave one definition, it means to follow the instructions of the Guru. It means to give up our own ideas and to submit ourselves to the Guru. Like, like accepting the mercy, two meanings. One is to follow the instructions, another is to accept those things that have touched the devotee. Like, because everything that touches somebody who's infused with love of God, it takes on that spiritual potency. So if you take the remnants, if you touch their feet, so many ways that we're, we're actually, because the, the, the bodies of the devotees become spiritual, and what they touch becomes spiritualized. But another way is to, to accept the instructions. And that's the most difficult, because it's not a, not a difficult process. Prabhupada said the application is difficult, because we have to give up our own ideas, and we have to, we have to follow the leader, ultimately. <laughs> we have to follow our guru, through the Prabhupada, and submit ourselves to them. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, the items of knowledge that you refer to, Prabhupada defines it there. And it really hits home. 
Right. Humility means not to be eager for the satisfaction of being honored by others. Whoa. If the mind's always, you know, searching for that. So it really, uh, if you come free from that, that takes, that's pretty good. Yeah. Kantaraja Shima Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.